Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. And the power that was operating in Elijah, this woman recognized that Elijah couldn't do anything for her, but the God that he served could. And as a result of his representation of God, he cried out to her. This is just a little side sermon because the Holy Ghost just dropped it in me. So I'm going to share it with you right now. And it just kind of came to me. You should be, you should have a recognition in your life that when people come to you and they bring you and and sometimes it may feel like they're complaining to you or they're crying to you or or they're sharing their life situations or circumstances with you, you should take great pleasure and joy in knowing that they recognize there was something on the inside of you that they could talk to. Amen. They recognize there was something on the inside of you that they can share their life with. Amen. But I want you to understand that when people come to you in those situations, don't take that for granted and go gossip and go backbite about them. Elijah didn't go run around and say, hey, everybody, do you see the predicament that this widow woman's in? It's unfortunate. It's terrible. Woe is her but no, he counseled her in godly direction. But the Bible says this woman called out to this representation of God. We talked last week about blind Bartimaeus and when he heard that Jesus was coming by, the Bible says that he jumped up and cried out with a loud voice. There's multiple times in the Bible where people were vexed or they had demons or their children were dying or they were blind and they were deaf and when they had the opportunity to encounter God, they did not waste that opportunity but they opened up their mouth out of recognition of who this God was and they began to cry out to God with a loud voice. And I've said it once and I've said it twice and I've probably said it a hundred times and I will most likely say it a hundred more times because my goal is before you mature to a point where you move out of this youth group that you recognize before you become a husband, before you become a wife, before you become a mother and a father, before you become an adult with responsibilities, I want you to learn right now that in your moments of desperation, in your moments of, of, of uncertainty, in your moments of failure, in your moments that the thing you must learn to do first and foremost is to cry out to the master. Cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I need you to move in this situation because that cry is a recognition that you realize that there's nothing I can do in my spirit, but this thing must be done by God. Amen. How many of y'all are glad that you've got a God that you can call unto? Amen. Amen. You'll get with me here in just a moment. Hallelujah. It is a common theme in the Bible. In fact, if you go back to one of the first books in the Bible, the book of Exodus, I think it's chapter two. I'm going to find it real quick. Verse number 27, I believe it is. Yeah, 23. And then the children of Israel groaned. Amen. So we're talking about the children of Israel who have now found themselves in the land of Egypt in bondage for 450 years, Nick. They were in bondage. They were under the oppression of that evil taskmaster, Pharaoh himself. And in their bondage, in their slavery, in their desperation, in their recognition that there was no one, there was nothing that can do anything for them, they began to cry out to God. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry, this is my favorite part, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Amen. I want some young man and woman to get a revelation tonight that when you cry out to God, that God hears you. Amen. That God doesn't ignore you. He doesn't just file your prayer away, but the moment you and I work up enough courage to pray to God out of desperation, when we wake up enough courage to open up our mouth and cry out to God, the Bible says, 
says that God hears us. I recall what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. He said, if you'll call unto me, I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things. I believe with my whole heart. Amen. I'll preach myself happy if nobody else will get with me tonight. I believe with my whole heart. If this generation will learn to cry unto God, that God will show up and he will show us great and mighty things. Amen. Could it be that the absence of miracles, could it be that the absence of signs, could it be that the absence of wonder is because in the mouths of God's people their cries are absent they're no longer crying out to God because we've educated ourselves to the point where we can figure it out ourselves we've put enough knowledge and written enough books and we've we've read enough social media posts that we believe that we can fix this thing ourselves that we can touch a generation ourselves that we can psychoanalyze a generation that we can counsel a generation that we can medicate a generation bless God but I believe if we'll learn to call unto God he'll show us great and mighty things Amen. Great and mighty things. Great and mighty things. We must learn to cry out to God. What great and mighty things am I talking about? The Bible says when Paul wrote his letter to the church of Corinthians, he told them a little bit about these great and mighty things. He said, I can't tell you much about them, but eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't neither has it been revealed unto men the great things which God has prepared for them that love him. He even said it, neither has it even entered into the heart of a man. What God's prepared for you, everybody say what God's prepared for me, I haven't even thought about yet. Come on. What God's prepared for you, you haven't even seen happen before. What God's prepared for you, despite all the stories you've heard of yesteryears and the men and women of God of old, despite what you've heard, you haven't heard what God's got prepared for you. Amen. If you'll learn to call unto God, the Bible says he'll show you great and mighty things. Amen. I love what the Bible says in Psalms 120 verse 1. It says, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. That word cry means a great petition. I made a great petition unto God and he heard me. And it wasn't he heard me. If you look up that work, that word in the Hebrew, it says he answered me. Amen. Not only did God hear you, bless God, he answers you. I'm thankful for a God who has the ability to do something about my problem. Amen. I'm thankful for a God who has the ability to do something about my trouble and about my trial and about my difficulty and about the condition of my body. I am thankful that I've got a God who is omnipotent means he knows everything about my problem. I'm thankful that I got a God who's omnipowerful and he's got power to do something about it. Not only does God know what I'm going through, not only does he understand what I'm going through, he's got the power to do something about it. Bless God. You don't serve a weak need God. You don't serve a passive God. You don't see it. You don't serve a, a wayward God. You serve a God who's intentional and his eye is ever upon you and he desires to do something about your situation. Everybody said he heard me. And he answered me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You must learn as a first point tonight to cry out to God like this woman did. And her desperation. What was she so desperate about, Caleb? The Bible says the creditor was on his way. The creditor was on his way. Now listen, in America, we've got it all wrong because we got banking systems and we got debt collectors and they say it's okay when we settle our debts for pennies on the dollar sometimes and people come on hard times, you know, you could file for bankruptcy and they'll, and they'll just wipe that debt away. We've got mechanisms and processes 
and laws in place here in America where people can get out of debt. I don't advise it. But we do have processes where people can get out of a sticky situation in a moment of desperation. But not here in this time of the Bible. No, no, no. The Bible says this woman had a debt. And listen to me, it was a debt that she didn't rack up. The Bible says it was her husband's debt. It was her husband's debt, but when he died, she was left with it. And back then, it wasn't like, honey, I'm so sorry that your husband died. We're going to work out some sort of payment arrangement, and we're going to work. They said, no, no, no. We're going to take your ability to earn income from you. The only thing this woman had left were her two sons. It would have been bad enough if the creditor had showed up and said, listen, your husband owed me some money, so I'm going to take which son? Which one don't you like? Amen. How many of y'all know, but despite what mom and dad says, they have a favorite child. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just kidding. They don't really. I mean, I have a favorite child, but I mean, it's kind of easy for me. (laughs) No, this creditor showed up and said, I want them both. And this was so significant because not only were they her children, they were her sons. And in this day and age, in the Bible time that these sons had the ability to go out and earn money, they had potential earning potential is what we would call that in corporate America. These young men had strength. They had vitality. They had potential positions in the society. They had earning potential. And the creditor was coming to say, not only am I going to your sons, I'm going to take your potential away from you. Not only am I going to take your potential away from you, I'm going to take any hope of a future away from you because there was no Medicare, there was no Social Security, there was no death benefit. The only hope for this widow was her sons that were going to take care of her and the creditor was on his way to collect a debt that she couldn't pay. (coughs) And that may seem insignificant, but let me offer you a symbolism tonight. Let me offer you a parallel that maybe you hadn't thought about. You owed a debt you could not pay. Hallelujah. I might get so happy. I run about five laps around this place and I am way too overweight to do that. But I feel the Holy Ghost right now deep down in my soul. Hallelujah. I had a debt that I could not pay. Amen. I owed a sum that I could never write a check for. Amen. The Bible says we were dead in trespass and sins. That we were sold unto sin. We were in bondage unto sin. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how righteous you think you are. But because sin entered in the world, there is none righteous no not one and the bible tells us that the wages of that sin is death and because we could not pay the debt of that sin the debtor was out to collect our future not just our temporary future but our eternal future he intended to lock us up and damn us up into the gates of hell amen but if you and i make up our mind in a moment of repentance to cry out to the master and begin to pray unto him and say i've got a debt i can not pay hallelujah guess what the oil was the answer to the debt this woman couldn't pay. I can't wait to get to the punchlines. I just went ahead and got there. Hallelujah. The oil was the answer to the debt that this woman couldn't pay. Hallelujah, Caleb. The Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, is the answer to the debt that you and I cannot pay. Hallelujah. He's the answer to the world's debt that they cannot pay. And I want to make sure that oil keeps on flowing because it's the only way. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor Tad, why you get so happy? I don't know. I really don't know. I can't help it. It's the Holy Ghost. Thank you. I guess it's the oil. I just get excited sometimes. 
right? Some of you who just grown up in church your whole life with halos on your head and mom and dad prayed for you and grandpa prayed you through. You get it. Not this guy, not this joker. No, 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 no. I went through some trouble. I went through some trial. I had to go through some alcoholism. Hallelujah. I had to go through some abuse. I had to go through some bitterness. I had to go through some stuff, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That makes me happy. The rest of y'all who just, you know, live life righteously your whole life. Well, I'm happy for, I really am happy for y'all because listen, that's a testimony to do it in this day and age. Hallelujah. It just wasn't my testimony. I, I mean, I lived for God most of my life. I didn't do anything bad, but I had some stuff happen to me that, well, it just was unfair stuff, right? But hallelujah. I'm so glad that Jesus showed up and paid the unpaid debt of sin. Amen. Here's what the man of God said when he acknowledged her cry. He said, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? This was, an, this was a, a prompt, if you will, a prompt for this woman to evaluate what she had. That's what the Holy Ghost will always do. When you cry out to God, he'll prompt your spirit to evaluate what you've got. And I want you to know that if you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what you got is all you need. Amen. I'm talking to some young people who believe the lie of the enemy that says you got to go to Bible school before you can preach the gospel. I'm talking to a group of young people who believe the lie of the enemy after hearing the preacher preach eloquently, after hearing the seasoned prayer warriors pray with such fervency. You've allowed the devil to convince you that your uneducated, inexperienced prayer has less weight than their experience and verbose words. No, I came to tell somebody right now, all you need is what you've got. God put on the inside of you everything you need. If you invite the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of you. You've got everything you need. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Listen, that branch has no ability to produce fruit in and of itself. That's why when you take the branch off of the vine, it withers up and dies and gets cast into the fire. That branch's ability to produce fruit is tied directly to what is in the vine. Amen. All that branch needs to do is stay connected to the vine. Amen. You don't need all this mess. You don't need all this mumbo jumbo. All you need to do is Stay connected to the vine. Everything you need is in the vine. Amen. Your health is in the vine. Your spouse is in the vine. Your future home is in the vine. Your career is in the vine. All you got to do is stay connected to the vine. Me running around getting connected to this friend group. Hallelujah. Let's see what they can give me. And all you're going to get is a bunch of rad, uh, unripe fruit, rotten fruit. You run over here and you get connected to this group because... He just looks so good. You're a, you're a handsome guy. So you come get connected to him because he winked at you the right way. You're not going to get any fruit that way. Amen. Stay connected to the vine. Everything you need is in the vine. Now, listen, I see this a lot, y'all, because, you know, I mean, I'm a little older, and I, I notice as people get older, they got these standards, Caleb. I mean, these standards. Can I, can I talk about dating and boys and girls for a minute before everybody gets all weird? Yeah, let's do that. Everybody's got these standards. And then they get about 24 and 25, and then it's like, maybe I'll lower those standards a little bit. Right? And then it's, I'm going well, to go over here to this church. See what they got over here. Nope. I'm going to run over there. I'm going to check the talent out over here. And they run over here, and they check it out over there. Check it out over there. Listen, your problem isn't the church you're at. 
Everything you need is in the vine. Just stay connected to the vine. I'm going to give a really weird analogy because I, I think I like it. I like it a lot. Um, um, Isaac, stand up for me. You're going to be God tonight. Make you feel good? Go stand right over there on the throne. That's that pole. Amen. Becca, love of my life, you're going to help me with my example tonight because you're the perfect person for it. So come on. Hallelujah. Now, Becca, I need you to stand right over in front of Kinsey somewhere. Hallelujah. And I'm going to be 15 years old right over here. Hallelujah. Becca was 20 when I was 15, by the way. And I'm going to be standing right over here. Now, listen. Listen, Linda. Listen. Listen. I could have, if I wanted to, gone on a search for my wife at 15 years old and 16 years old and 17 years old and 18 years old and 19 years old and I could have ran over here to this church and didn't find her and run over here to this church and didn't find her and run over here and go over there and do this and run over place and I would have wasted years of my life but you know what I decided to do at 15 years of age I decided to press towards the mark of the prize I call it, which is in Jesus Christ and I set my gaze upon the Lord and I determined at that moment instead of I didn't know Becca at the time, but instead of Becca walking around and me walking around looking for something, I learned something about some point in Becca's life, decided she wasn't going to look for a man anymore. She was going to look for the man. And she started slowly, very slowly walking towards God. And I, way, way slower, like way slower. Yeah, because you're older than me. You're going to get there first. So hold on, hold on. Wait, oh, stop, stop, stop. Right? And I decided to follow God. And, and I want you to notice, just stop right there. And I want you to notice, see how far apart we are right now? She can't see me. I can't see her. I don't know anything about her. She doesn't even know I exist, but I can run around looking all over the place for her. But instead of looking all over the place for her, I'm going to make up my mind to look for God. And as I'm I'm pursuing God. I want you to know so long as she's pursuing God, I want you to realize what's happening to the distance between ourselves. I'm not looking to, hold on Becca, I'm not looking to get closer to her. Becca's a nervous wreck. She just wants this example to be over with right now. Amen. But as I get closer to God, by default, guess who I'm getting closer to? And at some point, come on baby, at some point around the ripe old age of 22, she was 27. Hallelujah. I, I looked over at church and guess who was standing? My my good God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This smoke show was right next to me in church. And I said, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. But I found her not pursuing her. I found her pursuing him. And she found me pursuing him. Amen. Thank you both. Hallelujah. You can go pursue all you want, and you may find them. But if you find them in pursuit of him, I'm helping somebody here. Find them and pursuing him. Quit pursuing him. Quit pursuing her. Find them and pursuing him. Because guess what? Had Becca decided that she was going to backslide and not serve God, and she got off that straight and narrow, she could have gone this way. I'd have never been, I'd have never had my heart torn apart because I found her on my journey prematurely because she wasn't ready. She wasn't close enough to Jesus yet. And I could have found her and pursued her but if she gets off that straight and narrow and goes awayward, she distances herself from me. That's God's way of protecting you. That's God's way of protecting you, young lady, you young man from heartache and pain. Just keep on serving Jesus. That wasn't even my mess. That, that, wasn't even my, that was good though. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What do you have in the house is what this man asked. When all you have is all you need. I love the story of Moses because Moses had just been called by God. And he was giving God all the reasons and excuses why he couldn't do what God had asked him to do. 
why he shouldn't do what God had asked him to do. Because there was somebody with more experience. There was somebody with better education. There was somebody with a little more talent. There was somebody with a little more natural ability. This person would be better at the thing that you've called me to do. And Moses was trying to rationalize. And he finally got to the point. He goes, God, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? And God said, what is that in your hand? And all Moses had in his hand was a shepherd's staff. And it didn't look significant. It didn't look like it could equip Moses to do anything. But little did Moses know for the next 40 years, he was preparing him to be a shepherd to a flock of people. And all he had in his hand was a shepherd flock, a shepherd staff that he had acquired after serving Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Exodus chapter three, verse one, go read it. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, even unto the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, God. Moses had his encounter with God while tending to sheep. For four decades, God had him on the backside of the desert, preparing him for the thing that he wanted him to do. And little did Moses know that what he had in his hand was strategically placed there by God because God was going to have him be a shepherd over a people to walk over, to walk talk with them and to teach them how to serve and honor God. You don't realize the trouble you're going through now. You don't realize the trouble you're going through now is a preparation, is a readiness that when you get to the point of operating in the fullness of the call of God, if you yield your life over to the Lord, by the time you get to this point in your life, you'll have everything you need, even though you may feel inadequate at the moment. Amen. Everybody say, go with what you've got. Reminded of David, who stood up with boldness and he said, is there not a cause? This was when Goliath was taunting the children of Israel, calling them names, mocking the name of God. And David showed up, a little shepherd boy with some cheese sandwiches, bringing his brother's lunches. It's a true story. Go read it. He was on his way with some cheese sandwiches to go feed his older brothers who were in battle, shaking in their boots, scared to death of Goliath. And David had enough God on the inside of him to hear what that old giant was saying about his God. And he rose up with righteous indignation. And he said, is there not a cause? Side sermon. I want to let you know there's a cause worth fighting for. There's a cause worth standing up for. Though this world is doubting your God and tearing your God's name apart, you've got something that it has a cause that it's worth standing for. And David rose up with some boldness and he goes out there to face Goliath. But before he goes and face Goliath, Saul tries to equip him with some armor, Elijah. Saul's armor. Unfitted armor. Something that wasn't tried. Something that wasn't tested. Something that hadn't worked for David before. All David had in his hand was a pouch with some rocks in it and a slingshot because it had served him for the years before while out there tending to the flock. It had killed the lion. It had killed the bear. Everybody say, oh my. Like what I did there. It had killed all that had come against him. That's all he had. And he looked over to Saul and he goes, I can't take this. I can't take your sword. I can't take your armor. I've not tested this out. It's not worked for me. It may have worked for you. I want to let you know what works for me may not work for you. Amen. I want to let you know what worked for Pastor Tom may not work for you. But you got to find something between you and God that works for you. And when you get there, everything you need is going to be in your hand. And, and David reached down with that slingshot and he brought down a giant that was defying a nation and that led him to a place where he ultimately sit upon the throne of the kingdom because he didn't go with what worked for Saul. He went with what God had already given him. You'll waste energy. You'll waste resources. You'll never end up to the fullness of the potential that God intended for you to be at trying to use somebody else's anointing, trying to use somebody else's fire. You 
get to heaven on my coattail. You won't get to heaven because you sat under Pastor Tommy Bates. Amen. You can't warm yourself on somebody else's fire. You've got to get the fire of the Holy Ghost all by yourself. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. So all she had was a jar of oil. Everybody say, he can do a lot with a little. That's a whole point. I'm not even going to unpack it. He can do a lot with a little. Maybe I'll unpack it a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, I believe. Let me flip over there. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised of God has he chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. God can do a lot with a little. In fact, he takes great pleasure in doing a lot with a little because nobody else gets the glory. Why else would he choose 12 stinky fishermen on the shores of Galilee to turn a world upside down? Why else would he take a wreck and abuse 14 years of his life and bless him and put the Holy Ghost? Because it would have made more sense to have the great-great-grandson of a Pentecostal heritage be a preacher of the gospel. That would make way more sense. More people would get on board with that. But no, not the God we serve. He found the broke, the busted, and the disgusted. He lifted me up and out. I was so far down, I had to look up to see the bottom. But Jesus Christ lifted me because nothing about me, nothing special about me, other than I yielded my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God said, I can use that. Amen. Amen. And God said, I can use that. And God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Empty vessels is what he uses. He instructed this woman to go get empty vessels. There's a direct correlation between the availability of vessels and the flow of oil. Listen to what I just said. In this story that we just read, there's a direct correlation between the flowing of God's spirit the anointing oil and the availability of empty vessels. Not vessels that are already full of their own knowledge and their own talent. Not vessels that are partially empty because there's no room for partiality in the kingdom. You do what the king says. This isn't a democracy. You don't get a vote. That's a problem with the American church. We think we get a debate with God and vote with God. But no, this is a kingdom and the king rules. Amen? Empty vessels. Is what? There's a direct correlation between vessels and the flow of oil. And the tragedy of this story in the middle of the triumph, there's, there's, there's triumph here. This woman paid a debt that she couldn't pay because of the anointing oil in her life. But I couldn't help when those words leaped out at me as I was preparing for this message. When there were no more vessels, the oil ceased. When there are no more vessels, let us not shirk the responsibility of being evangelistic. Let us not shirk the responsibility of making sure. I want everybody to look around here. That's a good night to do it because the crowd's a little low. You ever see an empty seat or two? That's the potential for a vessel. And if we can get a vessel in that seat, you watch the Holy Ghost show up. And this isn't about attendance. Don't, 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 don't make me sound that pathetic. This isn't about attendance. This isn't because I'm on some ego trip and I want a packed out house. 
This is because the oil needs to flow. Amen. The Holy Ghost always shows up to bear witness of Jesus. That's what Jesus said when he raised Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? He said, Father, I already know that you can do that. But because of the multitude, the number of people that is here, would you do this thing so that your name might be glorified? Everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd, a great throng, the Bible said, that was surrounding Jesus. And everywhere there was a crowd, you find Jesus performing signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen. This may say, make Jesus. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But there's something about our God. He likes a crowd. He likes to put on a show. Amen. That if we can get some vessels, hallelujah, if we can get some people that are broke, busted, and disgusted and desperate for the things of God, I believe the oil of God will flow. But first and foremost, we must be vessels. If you find yourself having missed out on the fullness of what God has for your life, Ask yourself, as you, have you presented yourself to the master? And when he goes to pour into you, are you empty or are you already full? See, that's the problem with so many of you. You're so full already. You're full of social media and music. Oh, here he goes again. Yep, bless God. Here we go. You're so full of the world's literature and their entertainment, and their TV shows, and their social media, and their philosophy. And I'm not saying those things are evil. Those things are amoral. They take on the morality of the person who is using them. But you could have so much of that and be so full by the noise and the mess of this world that when God is trying to pour something in you, you can't hear the voice of God. You can't feel the power of God. When the Spirit of God gets moving, you sit there like a bump on a pickle as confused as a goose in a hailstorm because you're trying to wonder, why is everybody else so happy? Why is everybody else getting blessed? but you are full, you are already full and you sit there dry as cracker juice wondering why the spirit and the oil of God is not operating and flowing in your life. I'm not being mean, I love you, but amen, if you're already full, there's no room for anything else. We need some empty vessels. Some people will say, God, and you're not empty because you haven't been full before. You're empty because you've been out there in the highways and the byways and you've been pouring out the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and when you come into the house of God or the prayer closet at home, you get a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost because nobody likes rancid oil, amen. If you've ever tried to cook with any rancid oil, it's no good. If you've ever tried to uh, make an ointment with rancid oil, it smells awful. You can put all the essential oils you want inside that oil and you're not going to make it smell any better. It's not going to function and operate any better. Why? Because it's sit in that vessel for so long, it's no good for nothing other than to be poured out. We need to be pouring out constantly the oil of the Holy Ghost that's in us and get a fresh infilling. Everybody say fresh oil. And you can be partially filled, but God's not in the business of partial. I'm reminded of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I am hurrying, I promise. I am reminded of the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the Bible. The Bible says they went and sold a piece of land, and they came to the man of God, and they said, here is all of the proceeds from the land that we had sold. But the Bible says but they had held secretly a portion back for themselves. Everybody say, only a portion. God's not interested in a portion. First of all, he never asked them to go sell the land. He never asked them to give it all. But because other people were doing it and they wanted the same accolades that the other people got, they went and sold some land. And then they gave a big offering, a sizable offering, an offering that any pastor would love to have and be appreciative of. But they told the pastor, I gave you everything. But the Bible says they held back a portion for themselves. I wonder how many young people under the sound of my voice and everybody say, he loves me. But I wonder how many of you under the sound of my voice are sitting here tonight saying, I've given God it all, but you've held back a portion for Friday night. I've given it all to God, but I'm holding back a portion for my girlfriend. 
I've given it all to God, but I've held back a portion for my spam account. How does he know about spam accounts? Everybody's terrified right now. I know things. Only a portion. God's not interested in a portion. He's interested in a whole commitment. Amen? Yeah, I'm going to finish this. The oil represents the anointing of God. We need the anointing of, our, of God in our life. The oil is there to purify. We need the purifying power of God in our life. The oil is there to use as a healing balm. We need the healing power of God in our life. Oil was used as a fuel source. We need the light and the fuel and the power and presence of God in our lives. Matthew chapter 25 verse 10 tells a story of 10 virgins. Everybody said 10 virgins. Five were ready. How many, if you know the story, raise your hand. Some of you don't. All right, I'll tell the story. There were 10 versions in the Bible, Matthew chapter 25, and it's a parable that Jesus said, and he said there's a wedding coming. And back then, they would all get ready for the wedding. They'd be waiting for the groom to show up. And, and this particular situation, there were 10 virgins waiting for the groom to show up. And in their waiting, the Bible says they slept, they slumbered, they fell asleep. And then the bridegroom came. And when the bridegroom showed up, five of them had enough oil in their lamps that they were ready and prepared to see where they were going. And they went and met the bridegroom. But five of the foolish versions didn't have enough oil in their lamp and they missed the boat. They missed the call of God. And that's a shadow that Jesus was trying to cast and say, there's coming a day where Jesus Christ will return one day. Amen. That bridegroom is coming for us, the bride. Amen. But before the bride is ever walks down that aisle, there's a revealing of the bride. There's the dun, 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 dun everybody stands and looks at the beauty of the bride and she's adorned in all her splendor and glory. I want to let you know before this thing wraps up, before Gabriel blows that trumpet, God's going to reveal you the church to the world and he wants to make sure you're glorious. He wants to make sure you are the best looking thing out there. Amen. And we shouldn't be spotted by the systems and cares and concerns of this world, but we should keep ourselves righteous before God and God wants to reveal us to the world in these last days, but we must be prepared and have enough oil. The first thing I want to correct about the 10 virgins and I'm flying really fast here because literally that was all introduction. I'm to the point now. But the reality is this. Five of them were ready and five of them weren't. And this isn't a story about five sinners and five saints. Brother, Brother Caleb, Sister Faith. I almost said Brother Faith. That flies in some churches, not this one. Hallelujah. Amen. This isn't a story about five sinners and five saints. This is a story about ten saints. These were all women. These were all bridesmaids looking for the groom. How many of you are looking for his return? Amen. People in this world, they're not looking for the return of Jesus Christ. This tells me if they were looking, they were prepared, they were waiting. These were people of the kingdom. They all had lamps. The word is a lamp, but they had the word of God in their life. At one point, they all had oil. They had experienced the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They had experienced the pouring out to God. But in their sleeping, they lost their preparedness. They lost their readiness. Amen? It's not a supply issue. It wasn't because oil was on short supply in the city. It was a readiness issue. It was a preparedness issue. Preparation makes one ready. Don't fall into the trap, young person, thinking you're just skipping through your teenage years. Wait until you get to an adult, and then you'll serve God. Wait till you get married and have a family, then you'll honor God. Take the opportunity right now to prepare yourself, to make yourself ready, because in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, his return will come. And the reality is this, if you're not ready, you're not going. 
And I know that's hard and it may seem unloving, but the most loving thing I could do is tell you what I just told you. If you're not ready, you won't go. It's just that simple. This isn't fear factor. This isn't shock value. This isn't playing on your emotions and trying to get you ready. If when he shows up, if you've got no oil in your vessel, that oil is the spirit of God. If he shows up and you're dry, listen, coming to church isn't enough. That is the greatest tragedy of the American Christian teenager. You think showing up every Wednesday is going to get you to heaven. That is not true. You think just because you sit under the preaching of Pastor Tommy Bates, you're going to go to the glory land? That is not true. Many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? In thy name have we not done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, depart from me, ye that worked iniquity. I never even knew you. What do you mean? These were people who were prophesying in his name. I mean prophesying. These were people casting devils out in the name of God. You would think those people are shoo-ins to heaven. But what you don't realize, it was nothing about them. God used them because he used a donkey to speak to a prophet and he'll use anything he can to get his work done. Just because God used you one time doesn't make you a shoe into heaven. What gets you into glory land is that you know God and God knows you. Hallelujah. We must know him. Preparation makes one ready. All in the kingdom, all with lamps, all waiting, but they slumbered. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says the men had sowed the seeds, and after a long day working out there in the field, they slept and they slumbered. And while they slept, the Bible says the enemy came and sowed tares, weeds among the seed that they had just planted while they slept. The enemy does his greatest damage to you while you're asleep spiritually. We must be alert, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 9. Be alert, be sober-minded, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, let's all stand. 1 Timothy 4, now the Spirit speaks expressly In the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, hearing lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared as it were by a hot iron. That's what the Bible says will happen in the last days. Some will give heed to spirits of seduction. Lies. And I'm not talking seduction as in an inappropriate sexual or derogatory term. I'm talking about you can get to a place where you're mesmerized by the system of this world. You're seduced by their entertainment. You're seduced by the system. You're seduced. You're intoxicated. The Bible says that we should be sober-minded. Why was the warning from 1 Peter to be sober-minded? Because there was a recognition that there were those who were drunk in their mind. Not necessarily walking around drunk with Budweiser, Bud Light, or whatever the beer is today. I'm not talking about physical drunkenness. I'm talking about spiritual intoxication. Now listen, thank the Lord I didn't have a 
wildlife out there drinking, but I know a few people who have. And I've heard that some people get so drunk and intoxicated, they just pass out. They just sleep. Wake up, not realizing what happened. So spiritually intoxicated that you fall spiritually asleep. And while you sleep, the enemy comes in and sows. But we must be prepared. We must make ourselves vessels for the Lord because if we don't, the Bible says the oil will cease. I don't know about you, but I never want to be in a place as a husband where the oil is not operating in my life. My wife and I, we got a good marriage. High five, babe. But there are times when she's had enough of me. There's never time when I've had enough of her. I always want to be around her. But, like what I did there, I need the oil to make this thing work. I got a good kid. My daughter loves the Lord. I love her. Good family. Hallelujah. I'm happy for that. But I need the Holy Ghost. I need the oil to make this family work. You think for one second I'd be dumb enough to get up here Wednesday after Wednesday and be your youth pastor without having enough oil in my life to do the job? Don't make the mistake of not making your vessel available to God. Keeping the oil flowing in our life. Amen. Tori, you're going to sing something for us tonight? Amen. I want us all to worship tonight, but here's what I want to do. It's summer and we're in no hurry to go anywhere, but it's only 824. I'd like to have you guys out of here by 830, but I may, I'd just like to make the devil a little mad and maybe pray till 835. I don't know how long it's going to take, but here's what I want to do. I want you all to yield to the Lord. This altar is open. Find a place that you're seeing. Find a place up here, but here's what I want you to do. Make yourself available to God. Say, God, I'm available to you. If you're under the sound of my voice and your life has not been honoring God, you've been spiritually asleep and spiritually slumber you can make you can present yourself to the lord tonight by coming in this altar and talking to the lord the youth leaders the adults we're going to come pray for you but this is the time right now where you seek the lord and you cry out to god and say lord i'm available to you so the oil can flow in my life come on let's pray hallelujah thanks for listening if you were blessed or encouraged go ahead and subscribe to the impact podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too Connect with us on Instagram at impactym, and remember, you can have as much of God as you want.